When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Get the knowledge you need to advance your mortgage practice quickly and efficiently from Jen Duplessis, America's Mortgage Mastery Mentor with over 37 years of experience and over $1 billion in lifetime fundings. Jen has been mentoring loan officers and realtors for over 15 years and speaking on stages across the globe. So settle in and get ready as Jen and her guests share their experience passion, and strategies to help you crack the top producer code to reach new heights in your business. And now, here's your host, Jen Duplessis, Mortgage Mastery Mentor and Head Chicken Charge of Kinetic Spark Consulting. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Mortgage Lending Mastery. And today, we are so excited because we are having a mastermind. So I have a couple of great guests on our show here today. We have Libby Forrester from Atlanta, Georgia. We have Whit Anderson from Northern Virginia. We have Scott Davis from Northern Virginia slash DC, or otherwise known as the DMV, DC, Maryland, and Virginia metro area. And we have Roxanne. Where are you from? Um, last night. And I'm from Southern California. That's what I thought you were out there. Yeah. So cool. Awesome. Yay. Yay. Well, we're happy to have you all on here for our mastermind today. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and get started. So for those of you that are listening, first of all, I want to say thank you so much for joining us today and giving us your time on this podcast. And if you're brand new listening in, well, you're in for a treat because this is not our normal. So we do a monologue. We do, it's called a solo podcast where I might just share some things by myself. We do guests. And then we also do panels. And that's what we're doing today as a, a mastermind, a true mastermind to learn a little bit about some people that are out in the marketplace and how we can help each other grow. And the whole purpose behind this is one, to demonstrate what a mastermind is, two, to demonstrate kind of what my coaching is like, because this is how I do all my coaching calls. And most importantly, for you to learn how to do a mastermind so that you can start a mastermind with your referral partners in Zoom and then in person when the time comes, because it is very, very powerful to helping their business grow. So I'm acting as a facilitator today. So I'm going to be the timekeeper of all of this, but I want to get started by asking Roxanne to go first. So how this is going to work is Roxanne has two minutes to tell us about her, her business, and what her challenge and or what a goal is that she's trying to meet. And then we'll take two minutes of clarifying questions by the rest of the panel. And then we're going to take about four minutes to five minutes to give her counsel and ideas on how to solve that problem based on our experiences. Okay, Roxanne, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us how we can help you. Thanks for having me, Jen. My name is Roxanne Hayes. I'm a loan officer in Southern California. I have been an originator going on five years. So my struggle or question would be, I'm at a point in the industry where I have the consistent business, I'm getting some relationships, but I'm now at a turning point where I feel like I need to go next level. 
But my question is, how can I do it all? How am I able to find the time to create content for social media, for another stream? How am I able to still be engaged with my clients and my files and then my relationships with realtors? So that is my question and struggle. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. Okay. So who would like to start with some clarifying questions before we give counsel? Okay. I'll start with the clarifying question. I'll start with the clarifying question. So my clarifying question is, what is your average funding per month now so that we have an understanding of what this level is to what level you want to go to? Okay. I am actually in a little different situation because I still do both with originating and I have a loan partner as well. So I do help with his loans and we probably do about 4 million a month between 11 and 17 probably units units a month is probably where we're at. So what's your mix of business as far as purchase to refis of the 4 million, 11 to 17 units? Yeah. So at this point in time, we are like 30, 60, 30% purchase and 60% refi. And is that a consistent 30, 60 over the last few years? Or is that just been in the last year? I think we'd probably be more 50, 50 prior to COVID. Any other clarifying questions that anyone has for her? Scott? Sure. Yeah. When you talk about your loan partner, is that like a senior or more experienced loan officer that you're working with and you're kind of learning from? Is that the general relationship? Yes, that is the general relationship. He is seasoned in the business and has a book of business and some of his relationships and then as well as mine collectively, but he's been in the industry for 29 years. What is your understanding with him and yourself as to what your trajectory going forward is? Yeah, so originally we set up our partnership to basically, everyone here knows and LO has a whole lot of responsibilities and we took that LO role and we split it up, but Basically, you know, he's the make it rain and I'm the make it closed, right? But that's not longevity for me. And I need to continue to make it rain for my own business. So I have the stability with his clients. And although we're a partner and it's under the same company, I need to be generating my own business for the longevity of myself. Um, Libby, do you have a question for her? A clarifying question. Yeah. Do you have an arrangement with him as far as how long you're going to stay in the partnership? And do you have an idea of how long you want to stay in a partnership with him? How long is that going to serve you versus going out on your own at some point? We don't have that established, but the point is to have it continue on. So if he were to not be the rainmaker, I would then be the rainmaker and having the experience with his past clients and relationships that I would be able to continue on with that if it went that way. Okay. So your idea is to stay with him long-term so that when he decides to retire or move on, you are then there to step up into that role. Yes. Okay. And there's no timeline on that currently. Okay. Correct. Okay. How do so you? So that's why I just want to focus on still gathering mine because right. at the end right. of the day, we don't really know what will happen. Right. How do you currently cultivate your business? So, how I currently cultivate my business is realtors that I've worked with in the past and then my book of business. Those are my main. What do you mean your book of business? Butter. What do you mean 
from past clients? Yes. Okay. Yes. From past clients, whether they refer me other clients or me checking in with them for refi business. Okay. All right. Good. So time's up on that. Let's give her some counsel. What are some suggestions that you would give to her based on the other questions that were asked as well as your questions? Scott, why don't we go with you first? I see kind of two past forward. And I think you kind of answered it first as you kind of answered one of it is if, if you are staying together, if the goal is to stay together, right? Those are conversations you and your partner have to have about how to transition your goal, grow your goal, your role, sorry, not goal, grow your role away from kind of the operational side or the, you know, get it closed side more to the sales side. And what does that look like? It was a huge year for all of us. And so there's some, probably some money slushing around, but you know, what, what does that look like as far as do you bring on a third person to do, I mean, you, you listed in the beginning some really important things that no loan officer who's doing a decent amount of business has time for. So the social media and all of that, that is a third person if you want to keep the partnership. And I think that that's a conversation to have with your partner. I think a lot of your answers will lie in what the two of you really understand and make sure you have a clear understanding. I'll just, I'll stop. Like my LOA for the first four years that we worked together we both told each other that we were grooming him to be an LO because that's what we thought the other wanted to hear, right? And then finally, we were close enough and he's like, I don't ever want to be an LO. I'm like, oh my God, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me, right? Right. Making sure that you and your business partner are really on the same page and being very honest with each other about what your expectations are from each other and where you want to go um, that will then answer some questions and probably open up a lot of other questions. Excellent. Um, and I think it's transparency too, as Scott said, you know, having that transparency and things change in the process. So the initial discussion would be you as a partner getting some sort of basis or commission off of the book of business that you're helping him with. And then any new business you bring in, how that will look. And maybe it's readdressing. It's the new year. It's a perfect time to come to the table and say, new year, new team, our operation. And I'm not saying that this is going to happen, but have the expectation that he's not on board with where you want to go in your trajectory and what your overall business goals are. Personally, it's being upfront and saying, this isn't what I want. And if I can't get that, I need to venture elsewhere and understanding that, you know, that may take an impact, but that just means you got to put more grind to it as well. I'm going to be honest. This is something that I actually, I'm going to circle back because I do work with Scott that I really appreciate and what he's doing is we are in a refinance market. I think that you got to switch your radar to more purchase um, just because that business is coming in, right? You're getting the referrals. Well, yeah, the market's hot for refinances and, and rates are really low, but find a way that and Jen talks about this a lot, is systems, right? Do you have systems in place to be able to operate with that? If you don't start getting those systems in place, but where you need to start looking at is spring markets right around the corner. And if you haven't cultivated those relationships with your referral partners and not just realtors, are you looking at financial planners? Are you looking at stagers? Are you looking at title companies? If you haven't looked at those, start reaching out and engaging with them as well and making an introduction and doing a virtual lunch. That's going to change. And we've seen it in the trend and, you know, Scott and Jen can speak to it for being years in the business. It's a trend. So, and Scott's turned his business into, I got enough refis. 
I'll take them if I get them, but if not, I'm focusing on my purchases. So I think it's a twofold and hopefully that segues into any other of the counseling specifics. Sounds good. All right, Libby. Yes. (laughs) Any, Any counsel that you have for her? I think these two nailed it. I mean, I think really it's understanding what the partnership is like, what the goal of the partnership was when you first started, continuing that conversation of what it's going to look like as you grow. And so that you feel like you are closing the deal and making it rain, right? You want to feel equally compensated on both sides. Um, And so how do you do that? And having those conversations with the person you're working with, yeah, is priority. That's awesome. Okay. So I have a couple of things for you. First of all, I think that in order for you to make this transition that you want to make in whatever capacity it turns out to be, whether you're both partners, whether you spin off, whether you hire a third person, which I think is a great idea, you know, because the only way that you're going to be able to grow is to not be doing some of the sort of so-called grunt work and I actually call it finder, minder, grinder, right? So you're doing the minding and the grinding in your business. He's doing the finding and you're sort of doing some finding, but you want to move yourself into more of that finding role um, is to have a timeline, a deadline when this is going to happen, because otherwise you'll just continue to kind of meander along until one day you say, I've had enough of this. I really want something more. So give yourself a timeline and then reverse engineer the actions you need to take in order to be able to go to that next level that you want to take for the benefit of yourself and or for your partnership. Okay. So the first thing is having that timeline. I definitely think the conversation is something you need to have, of course, and that's putting a timeline on it. And then really just assessing your priorities. What are your priorities? Because in order to get everything done, you have to have really good priority management and finding out what truly is a priority for you. So if you're cultivating right now, your business from the past realtors that you've had relationships with, and you sort of call them every once in a while, it's a matter of prioritizing that and creating a time block so that you can continue to cultivate it by design rather than by default during a conversation or during any given transaction. Same thing would hold true for your, I don't call them past clients, I call them alumni clients because they come back. The whole idea is they come back. When you have the mindset of being a past client, they're done, they're over with, you kind of don't think about them. So if they're alumni and you think about the infinity sign, they're going to be coming back into your fold again. Again, priority management in nurturing those relationships rather than neglecting those relationships. And thank God, you know, with this market, with refis, we're getting a, a lot of business coming in. But is it coming in because you're reaching out and engaging or is it just coming in? Because otherwise you've left a lot of opportunities on the table, right? And the last thing is there's something I do. It's called Momentum Multiplier. And I have 11 different ways that you can turn one loan into 11 loans, every single loan. So if you want to double your income, you have to double down on one of the ideas. If you want to 10X or 11X your income, you can double down on 11 of these ideas that you can do inside of every single transaction that you're working on, turning one loan into multiple loans rather than one and done. So you can do it from your desk. If you decide to step back and take that secondary role, you still can double your income for the team and for yourself and really get your volume up just by exercising some of these momentum multiplier ideas. So you can get with me later on that. And by the way, let me just say this in a mastermind, when you're in a mastermind and someone starts going, Hey, I've got this tool for you. Well, what are those 11 things in a mastermind? We can't go through the 11 things. So you say, Hey, and so let's go ahead and meet afterward. And I can give you some more information about that. All right. Awesome. Round one is done. So let's go to round two. I'm going to go to you, Whitney. 
So introduce yourself. You have two minutes to tell us who you are and a little bit about your business and what we can do to help you overcome a challenge or achieve a goal. Hi, I'm Whit Anderson with MGIC. I'm an account representative in the Washington, D.C. metro area. I also cover areas in West Virginia and Western PA. And my biggest struggle is the lack of interaction with my clients. And we all are experiencing that. And there are the benefits of having virtual meetings such as we're doing now, but there's lack of that. My clients are busy. They don't have time for me. And um, I used to always say when I started with the business and a lot of my clients, oh, the MI is coming, right? It's just going to be a note and a pen and a pad and a rate sheet, right? And that's not what I'm about. And that's not what I signed up for with working with MGIC. We're about value added resources and earning our business through providing our customer service. So my complications or challenges that I'm inquiring at this moment is the lack of face-to-face, but with that, we're all in it. So I would say it's meaningful contacts with the virtual environment that we have and how to um, really hone in the importance of why they need to meet with me. And I may be just hitting my head against the wall, not figuring that one out because I think I've exhausted almost every resource. So this is a perfect opportunity. I might've missed something. And eliminating my limiting beliefs that I have to, and the saying that I get a lot, I have to do what's best for my borrower. That's why I can't pick you for MI. And we all, I know lender as lenders, you all experience this is, you know, it's not about you try to get away from rate, but total pricing. I'm trying to get away from two basis points that it earns me the business for what I'm providing. And I have to earn that. And I do the due diligence to work to do that. But how do I get avoiding that? Because right now, it's a difference of one basis point that can eliminate me from five or six deals. So I will present at that and ready for your feedback. Okay. So we're going to go with clarifying questions first. So who would like to go first with some clarifying questions? The newbie has a very simple question. MGIC, break that down for me. Mortgage Guarantee Insurance Corporation. Hey, there we go. Okay. (laughs) The inventors of the private mortgage insurance industry, 1957 and the business through the recessions and many of them. And we paid 15 billion in claims over the great recession to still stand today and provide our clients with the best service possible. So little little commercial. Thank you. All All right. Anybody else? Some clarifying questions. Scott. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know your problem. So <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know that I have clarifying questions, right? Okay. Because I, think I, I understand exactly what you're facing and I'm, I'm trying to think of helpful answers. Okay. So we'll let you ponder your counsel as we go to yes. Roxanne. <laughs> Roxanne, do you have any clarifying questions for her? Yeah. With regards to the lack of interaction outside of stepping into an office, what would be the difference from interaction? Is this like prior COVID or because of COVID or? Yeah, because of COVID. I mean, I think it's changed the landscape of what I do. I'm an outside salesperson, so I don't work inside. This is almost a year now of me working inside and working with my clients. So that is really the change COVID. And I have to be honest, most of my offices are considering whether or not to even reopen because they're so efficient. So who knows, this could be my new norm, but I need to start landscaping what that is so that I don't die at the vine of not getting business by not having meaningful connections, right? Because I don't just want to just dial for dollars. I want to dial for connections that turn into the dollars. 
dialing for deeper relationships and things like that. Right. So is what you're asking how to get the attention of loan officers who are super busy and don't feel that you have any value to give them now. And then the subsequent part of that is, so the result is they're just searching for rates and delivering rates to their clients. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's seek to understand. You know, we use a Socratic selling method with MGIC, which is asking questions to dive into the understanding of what somebody needs before dumping everything in the kitchen sink is what specifically do you need? You need a fork. Okay, yeah. here's a fork, right? I think the challenge that I'm inquiring now is because we are a value-added company, we want to provide value beyond price. I'm great with getting the price, but that doesn't do anything for me long-term. And, you know, it's just like you said, are you actually venturing out to get those refinances or are they just happening to hit your desk? And that's the situation that I want to make sure is when I'm able to get back out, it's not trying to grind getting back into the offices and reconnecting with my clients. It is, hey, good to see you finally. Let's just catch up, you know, let's keep going. What What else do you need? Now that I'm here, I'm here instead of let's start from ground zero and try to build it from there. So it's a twofold. I mean, Zoom calls, phone calls, I rinse and repeat a lot. Text message. So let's move on to counsel. Let's move on to some suggestions that we can give based on the experience that we have about an MI rep coming in or how we price loans and how we'd make decisions on MI or just where it comes from a sales perspective and reverse engineer this. How are you trying to get the attention of real estate agents that are you're not being able to go in and see and have coffee with. So let's give her counsel on this. So who would like to go first? The first thing I'll say is I very much understand. So Wit is is one of many MI reps that I work with. And I mean, Wit's style technique is very human. It's very personal. I can very much empathize with what you're feeling, your inability to get together. I mean, we were able to have lunch not so long ago, and that was the first time in a really long time. I understand that, you know, that's impossible to duplicate, I think, in our environment. But I do think you probably have stronger relationships with people than you realize, relationships that can be uh, communicated through Zoom and phone and whatever, because you have that foundation that I think a lot of other people don't have. So I guess a suggestion would be not to feel so alienated. You're not so far away. I think we all really know who you are. And a lot of us just care about you as a person as well as, as a strong MI rep. As far as changing our mindset, and that's the part two, right? Is mm-hmm. I actually have spent time on this because I really want to choose MGIC, right? They're a little out of the market right now in a lot of buckets. And I think the message has to be something along the lines of, you know, the buyers aren't going to know. I will say there was a time pre-COVID where it was so competitive among lenders that I had to compete on rate. I had to compete on the lowest MI. I had to compete on everything. And a lot of that, it's not that these things don't matter anymore, but like you should know that we're not being shopped the way we used to be. So when you're okay. talking to, to a loan officer, you know, don't come right out and say, I know you're not being shopped, pick me. But you can go into it with the idea that it's not as crucial as to whether we're going to lose that transaction or not. So the trick is to remind us that we can break that old habit because that's that old habit of always picking the lowest. We don't need it anymore. And gosh, we would choose it. I would choose it for you. And no one will know the difference. I think in where we are right now, I'm done. (laughs) I appreciate that. Great. You can finish your your thought process. Yeah, that's great. That's good feedback. Yeah, that's good feedback. Thank you. Thank you so much. Anybody else have some feedback? 
Okay, so as a loan officer, I don't know about your market. I don't have a whole lot of MI reps come in. And as a loan officer, some of the lenders that do offer the lower, it's already in their pricing. It's not a matter of being able to select MI company. But with that being said, when I am with a lender that has, lets me give the options of an MI company, I honestly just look for the MI company that gives me the rate without less hassle. Like when I go to different websites and they want all these information, I'm like, just give me the percentage. Like I'm just giving Mm -hmm. the quote, just give me the rate. So hopefully you guys offer something very easy for LOs. That's where that will take over price and LO won't, Mm -hmm. it it won't matter how cost efficient if you make their life easier for sure. That's a really key point. Yeah. That's a really, really key point. So the barrier to entry to get a quote, regardless of what the quote is. Okay. Got it. That's good. I mean, if, if it's easy, they won't have time to shop for another rate because you make it so easy to get the number. And the only reason why they would come back is because a borrower went somewhere else and said the MI was something else. You know, that's, I think the only reason why you would get shopped for a LO. But then as far as the interaction piece, Scott knows you more like on a, you know, day to day or personal, but I think just grow the relationships you already know. So if you have LOs that are already using you, they know other LOs and let's get you introduced to knowing those LOs. And again, if you're easy to reach or your website is easy to access, that's like the number one key. If you're making it difficult for LOs, we don't have time for difficulty. I don't think mm-hmm. in this market, like whatever's easy, streamline. And I would do that over. I think you would win all day with those methods. And even with the lack of interaction, just grow the ones you already have. That's something I would that's do. That's good. Thank yeah. you. Okay, Libby. Yeah, Whitney, let's connect. (laughs) Yeah, happy to. (laughs) Teach me. I already know I'm going to email you our fantastic Callie in Atlanta. So you're just going to love her to pieces. Oh, and she is fun. She is so fun. I met her a gazillion times. Yes. Yes. Yes, She's great. She'll be great. Okay. So I have a couple of suggestions for you. So one of the things that I encountered quite a bit with my speaking and coaching and all that good stuff is that a lot of loan officers are very hesitant to get onto Zoom. Okay. Just to even have a conversation. They just don't even want to get onto Zoom. And I think that that has become a mimicry behind realtors who don't want to get on Zoom. So what's happened is I'm hearing loan officers say, my real estate agents don't want to get on Zoom and I don't want to get on Zoom. And that's part of leadership. Leadership is not pushing a rope, but pulling, right? Leading from the front. And so that's something that I've seen from a lot of loan officers is just the non-willingness to get on Zoom themselves. So One of the things that I would recommend for you, if you're going to be giving value is to give a class on Zoom, because it's one thing to come on Zoom and be on here and be a participant, but it's another to lead it. And I'll tell you that one of the things that I've done recently is that I've offered for my clients that I will give a one hour Zoom webinar on the subject that they think their real estate agents or clients, whoever that is that want. And I actually do the Zoom meeting so that they can see how easy it is to do a Zoom meeting. Because when they're the leader in a Zoom, they go, oh, you know, start freaking out. So one of the things that you could do in this market to give more value is to offer to have Zoom meetings on their behalf, to allow for them to be the Oprah 
and bring the expert in. So you could be teaching home buyers. They could get a lot of their clients who are prospecting, right? Who are in, they have pre-approvals. You could get that, those people in and explain mortgage insurance to the consumer once for and on behalf of the loan officer, making sure that the loan officer also has an expertise that they're presenting so that you don't leave being the expert. They are the expert and they're the mm-hmm. owner who brought you on. The other is doing it for their real estate agents is having your uh, loan officers invite some real estate agents into a PMI and profits or mortgage and you know MI and profits or something like that, where you actually do some teaching alongside of them to give them the empowerment. So you're empowering them to do more of them because the bottom line is this is not going away. Even when we are born free, we're still going to be doing a lot of these types of meetings because now right. everyone has figured out how efficient it is. So bring value from yeah. there. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate yep. that. Yep. Libby, tell us a little bit about you and what your question or challenge or your goal is, and then we'll start asking you some clarifying questions. Right. How do I narrow down all my questions? <laughs> all right. So uh, my name is Libby Forrester. I am a loan officer in Atlanta, and I started this newer career for me. And I left my last career being more of an experienced mentor style and what I used to do. So having a new career shift at 40, it's really put a lot of my mindset and a lot of my personal development to the test because I used to feel like I was a pro before. Right. So I had all the, you know, advice and could help others, newbies in my previous profession. So I am doing a very a decent job with habits, consistency, starting my day out, taking time for myself, journaling, meditating, things like that. I was told when we get into the mortgage industry, get ready. It's very busy. It's very hectic. So that's very important. So I'm really trying to do a good job of that. A struggle that I'm having is, okay, I've, I've set out my day. When I get into the office, prioritizing what is most important, because I'm learning in this industry, it never stops. I would love to like clean out all my inbox, make all the calls, follow up immediately. Communication is so essential. That's my bread and butter. But I would have to work until 1am some nights to do it all. I can't get it all done and do it well. So I would love to know the top three things you do in your day to prioritize your workflow and specifically for a loan officer, because I have, everything is coming in at all, all angles (laughs) and I do not have an assistant. So, you know, I'm, I'm doing everything from sales to all the way through. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Let's ask some clarifying questions. Do you have a daily routine? Yes. Kind of. As far as I wake up, I go to the gym, I get home. Yes, I, on the way to work or from work, I listen to a podcast or a book. Uh, When I pull in the parking lot, I meditate for seven minutes. You know, there are things, yes, but when I work, when I walk into the workplace, the first thing I do is categorize all of my loans, where they are in the process. Who do I need to lock? Where, where are we in the, in the process of the loan? Who do I need to follow up on? And then from there, it gets wild. (laughs) Got it. Got it. Okay. Any other questions? Do you have like one specific processor or do you have many? Like, do you have a close team or is it just kind of? I have, I have worked with uh, many of our processors. Okay. So, um, I'm starting, I am, yes, I'm working with a lot of processors. How much 
business are you doing right now, units, unit-wise? Yeah, so... That's my question. It's the first month that I started originating, and I closed my first month. I closed 10, and then the next month was five, and now this month is going to be 10 again, essentially. 10 units. And how does that break down? Months, yeah. Purchase right. versus refi. He had a question about. So maybe may, like 10% purchase majority is refi. Okay. And are you, where are you getting the business from? My company. Okay. So they're, they're feeding you like past loan officers who have left kind of. Correct. And they, they, they have marketing material. So we hand, we send out mailers. We also do um, radio advertising with a talk radio show here in Atlanta, which is, a, it's a great uh, resource. Do you have systems in place for the different types of business that you are getting, whether it's a lead from a radio station, mailers, emails, or filtered leads? Do you have a system? And when I'm asking a system, questions to specifically ask those people that don't lead you down the track of having a two-hour conversation with a borrower that you can't do a transaction with. I have a flow of my, of, of the questions that I ask. Um, yeah. I, and, and I have a filter system as far as I know where the lead is coming from. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I would, I would, um, hold on, we're not, some... we're not at uh, council. <laughs> and that's okay. This is I'm part of the mastermind, by the yeah. way. This yeah. is a part of the mastermind because we have a tendency to want to just go in and help. So we want to get some more yeah. clarifying questions okay. before yeah. we go in. Yeah. Yeah. So but this is how you'll lead your mastermind, by the way. Okay. So Yeah. So one of your other, um, the other questions, so the leads, the generated leads from the company, what are you doing to go and get your, get your own book of business or referral partners and generate additional leads outside of what's being provided? Using my gift, talking, communicating relationships in our, in okay. my community. Does the company have an expected turn time or process you're supposed to follow when you get a lead, respond within so many hours or what? I mean, do they, is there, is there something like, is there anything like that in place? No, we're very self-motivated. Okay. <laughs> Any other further questions to clarify? Yeah. One more question. When it comes to how involved are you when it is an actual loan in your, is it just passed on to processing and you're ready to let it go? Or do you still need to involved for all the way through? No, I, I mean, I let it go. Um, I let it go. Obviously I set up the expectation on the front end about what our process looks like for all of my clients. And anytime there's a point of contact with an underwriter or when we move into another um, department, I, I do try to keep that communication going with my clients. So they know, cause it's a longer turn time right now than what most people are used to. So I try to communicate that. And then are you making an effort or do you have a preferred, are you, when you get the lead, is it a phone call you're making or is it an email you're doing? What's, what's your general way of communicating? Phone call. Okay. Good. Any other questions? Otherwise we can move into council. And I know Wit has some counsel to give you. <laughs> I'm getting my notebook ready. You're ready because I've got a ton. No. <laughs> okay, let's go. So that's good. That, you know, you're new and I think that that's really good. I mean, you know, rather, I would rather somebody tell me there's a sword before I fall on it. Right. So hear it. So um, I'll let Scott go. Cause I think he's probably some similarities between the two of us. So. Yeah. Well, first I think it's, it's a, it's a fantastic way to get into the business. You found a fantastic way to get into the business, right? You, you know, you're, you're, you're learning how to do a loan. 
um, with leads that are given to you. And uh, that's a great gift. So um, cherish it. My Very grateful. Yeah, yeah. And I, not, yeah, it's just, what do I, I mean, learning on refis is fantastic. Um, my first piece of advice would be move away from phone calls with these leads and email them and email them with just some general questions, right? Email them and say, I've got your, you know, I got, you know, I'm with so-and-so mortgage company and I am looking forward to helping you. Could you please send to me your most recent more, most recent mortgage statement? And if you have a second mortgage, that statement also, and I'll take a look and crunch some preliminary numbers for you. Then you're having no conversation. They send it to you. You Google the property to get an idea what it's worth. And you can run a scenario and you can see, does this make sense for them or not? Right off, right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And you'll weed out some that you're just going to email them back and say, hey, look, you know, rates are low, but you're already at three, right? Or your mortgage balance, you know, or, the, or you, you know, it gives you more questions. Anyway, that's the first thing you know, that on all of my refis, that's what I ask to do. And it cuts out a lot back and forth. There's some people you're going to need to talk to on the phone. And, and, and I always offer, I always say, I'm happy to chat if you'd like to. Right. But the most majority of people also, they just want the information. Um, so that's, that's my, that's my first piece of advice. I'll stop. And then if other people have other advice. Sounds good. Okay. Next. Yeah. I think, I think creating templates, you know, the reason why I asked about time management is the business time management. You, you know, you get to, you get to you, your personal daily routine. And, but when you get to the office, it just hits the fan and your intention was to clean out this and do this. And, I know Jen doesn't like to say time management or time blocking. Um, I like to think about about um, prosperity planning is what I call it is, you know, finding prosperous ways to plan my day that is most effective to me to get me the best return on my time investment. And I think to Scott's point, he brought up a great thing I had written here was templates, you know, templates. um, I still script Um, it's nuts. I still script so that I practice it one time on the phone if I'm talking to somebody or, um, and then I have templates. So when I get an inquiry about MI basics, I go to my template, I copy, I paste, I modify where I need to, and then I send it off. And those templates help me to eliminate the 15 to 20 or 30 minute, however long it takes you to get that email out. And like Scott was saying is get those systems in place. And I do love his approaches. If you're getting these leads, you know, you don't know how hot they are, right? I mean, they want a loan. So does everybody. So does Rocket Mortgage. They want your loan. But if you're able to, to kind of mitigate that and see exactly how earnest they are in getting that, then you can start venturing into the other avenues of those hot leads where you've talked to a realtor who has a client that's looking for a mortgage. And I'll stop there. Sounds good, Roxanne. Okay, I'm going to steal the nugget that um, Jen gave me on my counseling session. And that is just decide your priority. So prioritize the importance, the green time, I guess is what we call it. um, And make sure you do that first, because that's the most important part. 
So, yeah, thank you for saying that because, of course, I'm going to head into that because this is my mastery priority management. And yes, it includes time blocking. (laughs) So time blocking is not a bad word. I just don't like time management because you can't manage time, but you can manage your priorities. So you've got, you've got it down for your morning, right? Your miracle morning, you have that down. But when you come into the office, it turns into driving Miss Daisy, right? You get in the back seat and everybody else gets to tell you where you're going to go today. So to avoid that, it really is segmenting and taking some time because you're new in the business. It's good to have three columns of finder, minder, grinder. Anytime you're doing an activity, does it fall in the finding business, in the finding silo? Does it fall in the minding of the business, the getting documents, communicating, et cetera? Or does it fall into the grinding piece of things? Because that is the exact order that your day should go. Finding, minding, and grinding. Never grinding during the day, if you can avoid it, right? It's certain grinding. Minding is doing a loan analysis. It's doing all of those things. So that's not grinding necessarily. And as your business grows and you have a team that becomes someone else's grinding business, it doesn't become yours. But finding out where you're spending your time, I think is is really critical. Priority management, um, the number one thing you should be doing to make sure that you your business is sustainable for years and years and years is doing your finding activities in the morning. So doing the phone calls to nurture your database, doing the phone calls to um, get new business in. It's not calling a borrower and saying, hey, I, don't, I still don't have your pay stub. Those are things that you'll do later on in the day. What you want to do is you want to make sure that new business is always, always coming in. And so if there is a way, I love Scott's idea of having a template for the, these, income co- these incoming calls. And I know what's going through your mind because what's going through your mind is, but I have to call him now. I have to talk to him now because I might lose the business if I don't. So make sure that the formulation of your templated signature that Whitney's talking about is done in a way that helps them understand that you're here to serve, you're here to help them, and it's not canned to, the, to that extent. So you've got to personalize it a little bit. And I would just caution you on prejudging anybody based on the interest rate that they have. Because if someone has a three and three eighths interest rate that they got 12 years ago, and now they've got a ton of equity and you decide that their rate is low enough that it's not worthy refinancing, then you've lost an opportunity. So people were refinanced because of life events. They could have refinanced a year ago and got 3% and now they're getting a divorce. You don't know. So just make sure that you're asking the right questions um, that it's it's some of the canned things, but also some ancillaries. You know, what is the purpose behind your refinancing, um, so that so that you're not prejudging that. And then I would also add to that that uh, email. Just I'm letting you know what to add to the email is also um, that uh, you know if you don't mind, and I'm not I'm not scripting here, but if you don't mind, please send me your your statement and your current you know your second mortgage, etc. And let me allow me to run the numbers as Scott um, was saying. So that when we meet, I'm more prepared to answer your questions. Add that Absolutely. little part there so that Absolutely. they understand that there's a reason behind this. And it's not just, oh, I'm just too busy. And so just give me your stuff. Or not just collecting numbers just to be another data entry for them. You want yeah, to, it's, yeah. a, it's a, I'm respecting your time um, is, is how I, I, you know, I position it, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, so that we have a meaningful yeah. conversation. Right, so mm-hmm. our conversation is on point that we don't end up talking about things that don't don't matter to you. Right. Um, and when I send the numbers back, yeah, you know, I do a little analysis for them. Right, I don't say like, "Hey, do you, do you like this?" You know, no, it's like, "Hey, your closing costs are this. This is the cost of the loan. This is your savings. This is your repayment." 
prepaids are this. This is how they work. Yeah, I give them a little bit. So I'm giving you always like Wit loves to talk about. You're always giving value, right? Uh-huh. Yep. Just sending them the numbers, but I'm giving them the value they need to make an informed decision. And my thing, if Wit things, if Wit's things value added, my thing is I said I want to give you the information you need to make the best decision for you. And um, people really like that. And so then when you're having conversations, they, they know that what I'm talking about is how to make their life better, not mine. And I think options too, you know, giving them options. So if you have a purchase, it's not just a one, one-time transaction deal. Um, I'm going to speak on the MI side. You can have them in a monthly premium or you can have them in a single premium. And the payment structure depending on how much they put down or how much, you know, how it's allocated, you know, what is most important to you? Is it rate or is it, is it total payment? Is it longevity or, you, you know, everybody thinks you're going to be in the home forever, right? Is it longevity? How's, what's the longest you've lived in a home? Or had a it, loan. It's amazing. Or had a loan, right? A loan. Or rented a, a place, right? Rented a place. But if you ask those questions, but uh, you tend to find when you give them the t- the more than one option, instead of here's your rate, see ya, let's close your loan, then they don't do the shopping or they don't go elsewhere or they don't miss, like, you know, don't value what they're giving to you because you've given them the consideration that, you know, here are options. Let's discuss it. And what Scott was saying, what's best for you? Look at what's best for you. Yeah. So that they're not just looking at just one silo. And I only bring that up just because it's, it's something that's a challenge for a lot of lenders. Yeah. So, so the other thing I want to say is no, do not work on loans first. If you can just have that as an entourage, it just work on your business first. And that can include sending out rapid emails because that is lead generation, right? That can include sending out rapid emails, but here's the trick on sending out rapid emails in a time block in the morning. That's for finding activities. Do not send the actual email, set it as a draft hit send, send, send on all or set it up as a timer that you're going to be done at 10 o'clock with your lead generating activities. And at 10 o'clock, all of those emails are going out at one time. Uh, Do not send them because when you're in that time block, as soon as someone receives an email, they're going to get it back. They're going to send it back to you. And now you're distracted again. And now you don't finish your, your lead generation. So hold all of those emails in a draft, send them all at once or set up a timer and send them all at once when you're finished so that you're not distracted while you're in your lead generating time. Then when you're finished with lead generation, uh, lead generation, obviously, if you want to in these, in, in this environment during the COVID during COVID is to go into your minder activities that now you can respond to those emails. Now you can have the conversations, do the analysis, et cetera. Um, In the future, that next step will be getting out of the office and going and doing more lead generating activities by meeting with your um, partners. If you can meet with your partners right after your lead generation in the morning, that's even better. And now get to your minding activities around two o'clock in the afternoon. And I know it sounds scary, but I promise you, you know, my business doubled when I did this. It doubled. And if you're communicating with them, they you aren't getting those phone calls anyway. You know, they know what your expectation is or what the expectation is that you've set forth for that. And they know that you're going to get back to them in the afternoon. And it's not a lack of communication. It's not a lack of customer experience or service. It is just the method in which you communicate with them. And if you're doing 
proactive uh, milestone updates all the time anyway, there's no need that they're going to be calling you and there would be no reason that they wouldn't need you until later on in the afternoon. Sans one thing, loan threatening. If it's loan threatening, divert, right? Don't erase it, replace it. Move your lead generation to to the second half of the day, but don't ever delete it. Don't ever erase it. Just replace it, but only for a loan threatening, not, oh, I kind of want to play with my loans, loan threatening only. So there's my counsel on that. Okay, Scott, last but not least, All tell right, us well, about I'm, you. Tell us about you and what can I'm we help not. you with? Um, so uh, do I introduce myself? Am I supposed to? Yes. Yeah. I'm Scott Davis. I am an originating branch manager in Washington, D.C., um, and I serve the DC greater metropolitan area. Um, so I think, you know, the, what I am finding most challenging, um, is, and I've been trying to think about how to express it in, in a way that, um, is effective. Right. And I, I think it's boundary setting. Um, ah, I know exactly where this is. This yeah. year where, you know, the office is gone, you're at your desk, at your home, whenever. And, um, you know, we went through this all hands on deck, whatever it took to get through. And that was very exciting and exhilarating. And, um, you know, then, you know, all of a sudden everyone seems to think you're available all the time, which of course you want them to think you're available all the time. I've built a career out of people thinking I'm available all the time, but I can't actually be available all the time. Um, and you know, that combined, I think with, I, uh, I'm, I think I've got some old man mentalities around some of the newer technology, um, you know, cause I'm like all about email, um, uh, and not so much phone. Like I don't, I, I was able to move away from phone to email. Um, but texting, uh, is, is a challenge for me. Because in my mind, a text is an, is an immediate thing, right? A text mm-hmm. is something I want to handle immediately. And that used to be what texts were for, but it seems like people are communicating now. In, in, All the time. Yeah, just uh, this is how I'm going to reach you, you know? And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So ping, I need to do. So I need to like recalibrate my senses of urgency, um, so if that kind of, so, well, no, actually, what is your question? Cause I hear what yeah. your problem is, but what, what so, is this? Yeah, my very- question is, my question is how do I set boundaries that, um, keep me sane, but also allow people to continue to feel that I value them. Sounds good. Sounds great. Okay. Any clarifying questions from anyone? Do you, I'm going to fall, I'm going to be faulted in this because all I do is call you. Um, <laughs> but I love your calls. So I'm out of the bucket of the text. I just call. Um, but um, do you set any parameters and in, in, in this is a, do you send an out of office during times in which you've dedicated that that is your time for X saying, you know, I am unavailable at this time. If you need immediate assistance, please text me or voicemail. Should you get this voicemail and need immediate assistance, please text me for urgency. Otherwise, I will return your call as soon as I'm able. No, I, I have been of the mind that um, that's off-putting 
And I want someone who reaches out to me to feel that I value them however they've reached me. And I don't want anyone to think that I'm unavailable. Yeah, and setting it out of office because you don't want to be- Right, and setting it out of office. Like I, you know, I was was just on a really short vacation and I did set it out of office and that's the first time I've set it out of office in years. Okay. Any other clarifying questions? Um, yes. How big is your team or how is it perceived that you have people available to answer your questions or do people, you know, like, is it aware that you're one person or is it perceived that you have a whole staff that would be able to answer? Yeah, I think it's perceived that I have two people, like the real estate community knows of Hamilton, my assistant, and they know he's like a, a very high performing uh, assistant. He can, do, you know, the joke is he's the brains, um, but he's also the good looking one. So that leaves me nothing. Um, so, uh, you know, I think that, that that's, that's the perception is that we're, we're a pair. Um, I am definitely the lead and, but there's always Hamilton. Okay. Any other questions? There'd be no clarifying, no clarifying questions there. Okay, so let's go ahead and give him some counsel on how he might be able to establish boundaries so that he doesn't feel like a cat on a marble floor every day. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I mean, I just kind of go back to, you know, I think it's change in our environment where, like you said, is that people do kind of expect us because we are working from home to be available. I also think there's the under more of an understanding now of respecting the fact that that people do need to disconnect at some point in this environment. Um, because we're not commuting into the office or and commuting back and, and that sort of thing. Um, but I always like I always used to say the two the C squared, which is clarify and confirm. So to always let somebody know, I want to clarify that I am not available at this time and to confirm that if it's a dire need, you can reach me this communication. And I some, I think I've done this to you before is, you know, what's the best form of communication for me to reach out to you? It's almost in return is by responding to that is if you need me, text me, you know, otherwise I, I'm going to return it at this time. And, and I've seen that a lot more often when I'm sending out emails and correspondence is that is their response. I'm going, okay, you're at office for lunch. Cool. Um, I don't do that. So I'm just a subject to what you're talking about is that I, I will answer at any time. So, um, but that would be my, my comments is I think that might help, but um, you know, I'll take everybody else's word on thoughts. Yeah. Good. Anybody else? counseling? Um, Yeah. So I work the same way. Um, I don't like to not be available. Um, But the reality is we are not available all the time because we are on calls and we're doing whatever it is we're doing. doing, (laughs) Yeah. Um, So what has helped for me and something I do, um, you know, when I, uh, I know some people, uh, I don't have a a receptionist or anything like that. So when people are calling my cell phones um, and if I'm on the other line, I do an auto text, hey, I'm on the other line, I'll call you back once I'm available. Or I do an auto text, I'm currently in a meeting, I'll call you once um, it's over or shoot me a text, you know, maybe I can 
help you, but I do the auto checks. Um, that really goes a long way. Another thing too is, um, and I, I try not to look at the text because if I look at the texts, that signals to the person I've read it. So, <laughs> so I try to display it so that way I can get like a little snippet of what it is they're asking. Um, and, you know, if it's something I can attend to and I know it's something I can answer right away, obviously I'll answer it. But if it's something like, gosh, I don't even know the answer. Um, it depends. Sometimes I'll just tell them, hey, I don't know. I'll look into it. Because um, I think that's all a lot of people want is they just want to know that you're still checked in and they're not being forgotten. Um, so, and I, I think that. that's I, I exactly what that. Whitney is saying. Like, you know, they, they just have to know that you're going to work on it. But if you haven't looked at it, then they know you haven't looked at it. Most people have the delivered scene or whatever message is on their text message. And they're aware if a person has been able to, um, you know, review their message. But uh, the auto text and, you know, just letting people know you're, you're not available. They don't have to know what you're doing, but just let them know you're not available. Um, I think goes a long way because people, um, you know, they, they like that. I hear you. Excellent. Okay. Libby, any, any, I mean, I'm just thinking out loud, like with the amount, you know, you are a manager, you are closing a lot of units each month. I can only imagine how many times your phone is dinging with texts. Um, is there a way to prioritize kind of what y'all were saying to me, like where you're not going to look at your phone for so long and deal with this? Is that even, is that even a possibility with how you run your business and pri- and yeah, everything's possible, right? <laughs> everything, everything's possible. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Well, I'm loaded with all kinds of things here. Um, all right, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here we go. So, uh, you know, I do a lot of comparison words. Uh, so just prepare yourself because this is the best way that I can explain things. But, um, you know, I think one of the tendencies that we have in this industry is to be in reactionary mode. And that quite frankly, is a scarcity versus abundance mentality, right? Is that if I don't get back to them, then they're going to go someplace else and they're going to, and I, and, and it works for a while, but it's not sustainable for a long period of time. And it's certainly not sustainable if there's ever a scalability that you're trying to do, because you just can't, eventually you just can't. So it's changing those boundaries, you know, looking at what your core values are and saying, hey, look, these are my boundaries that I have to set for myself because that's what you want to do is set those boundaries. But you have to constantly revisit those boundaries and, and say, what are those boundaries? It's not just setting some boundaries. It's recognizing what boundaries you're not willing to do. Like, for example, um, are you willing to have phone calls late at night? for everybody? Or is that only for the top echelon of people that are working with you? Are you only willing to have um, evening calls for clients twice a week, not every single day? So you have to recognize what the boundaries are that you want to set up. And then you have to increase your awareness of them so that you can sort of phone a friend like, hey, boundary, is this a boundary that I need to be, you know, looking at? So So going from a scarcity to abundance mode then takes us into the difference between being on demand versus being in demand. And we all want to, obviously we can go to an emergency room where everything's an emergency, right? We can go to emergency room or we can wait to get the counsel and advice of 
the, the expert and the specialist. And when we uh, react constantly to everything's an emergency, and that's why I said something to Libby about loan um, is it loan threatening, right? <laughs> if it's not loan threatening, then it doesn't have to be emergency. Just because someone calls you doesn't mean that it has to be your priority. It, it may be their priority, but it's not your priority. So the real easy question that you can ask somebody is, um, hey, when do you need this information? You know, so that responding text might be, hey, I'm with another client. By the way, that's perception that you are an in-demand person. Okay, I'm, I'm currently with another client. With a partner. Right, or a partner or whatever. I'm, I'm, with, I'm with another person right now. So that, that is perception of being in demand. Um, when do you need to have, you know, when do you need to have this information? And I love that Roxanne said, you know, look, if it's urgent or, or Libby said, you know, if it's urgent, you know, let me know and text me again or something. I'm not even sure that I would open up that Pandora's box because to everybody else, sometimes it is urgent. But I will say that I've asked people, when do you need it? And pe- I'm thinking, I've got to get it to you now. And they've said to me, oh, you know, next week is fine. <sighs> Let's just ask the question. That's number one. Um, if the boundary setting is with your team, with your team, then it's a difference of learning to enable or empower them versus enabling them. And, and because you're dealing with a lot of loan officers who um, are high D personalities and high A personalities, they just want the answer and they don't want to go look. They just don't want to deal with it. They want the answer now. So just as uh, Roxanne was saying for PMI. So, um, so I think um, I, I want to get the right word here. It's not deflection. I can't say that word, but, but just uh, a little pushback to people saying, what have you, what have you researched? Who have you talked to? Have you talked to a peer of yours? What have you found out? And the last and important question is, what do you think you need to do? Because the tendency is to, to run sort of to daddy to get all the questions answered. So, so if it's happening with your team, think about how you can empower them to be more um, self-sufficient because in doing that, they will grow. In doing that, you will be freed up so you can grow. If it's with your clients, one of the things that I always did was, again, remember I said minder is in the afternoon for me, um, is, hey, thanks so much. Little text back. Hey, thanks so much for your call. I can't wait to meet you. I'm looking forward to helping you in any way that I possibly can. Can I give you, um, not can I, I will give you a call back between three and five this afternoon when I'm in front of my computer and I can dedicate 100% of my time and attention to serving you. I've never had someone say, no, thanks. I don't want your time and attention to serving you. I want you to be distracted. Now I've had people say, can I be the three o'clock? Yes, you can be the three o'clock, right? So giving yourself a time block to respond to people instead of four o'clock, because then 410 comes, you're on a call and you're freaking out because you're not getting back to them and you're not paying attention to them. You're not present, right? Making any sense. So I want to just simmer down now, calm all this stuff down, right? And take back the reins of your um, of your time and of your priority. Um, and then the other, the other thing I just want to say on this too is, um, you know, we have a tsunami of technology that's about to, to come into us again. We're all, we're going to be switching to voice technology. We probably won't even be writing emails anymore. We'll just be dictating all of them. Um, so get yourself ahead of the wave, regardless of whether you like it or not, you're going to have to get yourself ahead of the wave in order to be able to keep up 
um, with that. And so here's the question. When you talk to a client, what is the best way for me to get back to you during that three to five? Would you prefer email? And don't even say that, but what is the best way for me to get back to you? So that you are doing what is called the platinum rule. The golden rule is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But if they want the text, text them. They want the email, email them. They want the phone call, phone call, do the phone call. That's the platinum rule. Treat others as they want to be treated. And I think that you'll find that that your response time will actually be better. They will feel that you're more part of the teamwork that you're doing with them when you um, take back a little bit of control on, you know, on your own business. So those are some tips that I would that I would just consider looking at and figuring out, you know, how can I do that? And I do have a client um, who was uh, scattered. I mean, she just said it today. Matter of fact, on the call right before here, she was saying, you know, it's amazing how she has tripled her income, right? Tripled her volume. And she has more free time because I helped her understand to do an auto responding email that said, thank you so much for your email. You are so important. Never. I'm sorry. I'm not available on your phones, by the way. Sorry, I'm not available. Uh, but thank you so much for your, for your message. I look forward to l- working with you and I will return phone calls between three and five when I'm in front of my computer and I can dedicate 100% of my time and attention to serving you. It's been a lifesaver. So I just want you to consider it. Maybe try it with a few people, try it, try it with your refis, maybe not with your purchases because you're, you know, oh, my realtors. So that's uh, my counsel on that. Thank you. Yeah. Anybody else? Any other counsel? Well, Jen, I have a question on, um, you know, incoming calls. So mm-hmm. you don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are in the middle of your finder, let's just use that example, your finder section, you know, I usually, if I'm in the middle of something that I'm dedicated to, um, can you give me fit, however long it is, however long I know that I've timed out, or I know it's going to take me 10 minutes or whatnot. Is that an acceptable answer to say, Hey, Jen, I I'm in the middle of something right now with a client. Um, do you mind if I give you a call back in 15 minutes or, you know, is this something that I can email to you or how, how would you respond to that? Cause that could also be a time suck as well. Yeah, right? I wouldn't you, you want to respond. You want to get the call. And I'm I wouldn't answer different- the phone. I, I just wouldn't answer the phone because if okay. I'm in a time block of lead generation, I have to mm-hmm. be focused on lead generation. It's intentional. That's why we don't get to lead generation because we don't focus our attention on it, get in. One of my favorite sayings is work on purpose so you can go play with passion. Mm -hmm. Not work sorta so you can say that you can't go out to dinner or spend time with your kids, (laughs) right? (laughs) So be intentional, get in, get it done, and then move to the next block. And if if you're really good at doing that, and you get really good at doing that, you can get in and out. It's so much faster and then move to the next block. So just returning the phone call is good. You don't have to, I mean, I think it's still succumbing to, I am available 24 seven and I'm your beck and call girl or guy because I can text you too. If I'm sitting with a client, I'm never going to text them, right? With, oh, sorry, client. I need to do an auto responder to this guy. So be true, be as good to yourself as you are to your business. Turn the phone off, turn it around, hash it out, knock it out in that segment, and then go to that segment of knowing that you're going to be in that, that time block that you're going to have to respond to, to emails. So then go ahead mm-hmm. and respond to emails and phone calls and texts from there. 
And if your time blocks aren't seven hours, you're getting back to them in an hour. Mm -hmm. Thank you. That clarifies it. Appreciate that. Okay. Any other counsel for Scott? Okay. Well, listen, what, let's talk about some feedback real quick, and then we'll be finished with this call. So what do you think about masterminds? What did you learn right. today? Tons. <laughs> no, I, I love, I feel like there's such knowledge in, in this room on so many levels. Um, so thank you all for, you know, I, it's, it's great listening to all of you and learning and, um, I just, you know, iron sharpens iron. Yeah. Experience yeah. new. It's lots of ways yeah, to do things, learning the most efficient way for yourself. Yeah. Yes. Instead of a, being an Island out there, you yeah. know, you just got ideas from everybody else. What, what about you? Well, I just want to say to Libby, you're always going to be a freshman in this world at some point in your life. Somebody taught me that is no matter where, where you turn is you leave something and you're, you're the senior, you start your freshman year over again in some, some channel in some avenue in your life. So welcome to your freshman year. You will get through it. So it's, it's going to happen. Um, you know, what I, what I learned is, is a lot of, a lot of the trials and tribulations, we all have some, some very similarities, but also it's what I take from this too, is not neglecting your business and yourself for the betterment of thinking that that is going to turn you more business around. Um, you know, and, and that's why I'm, I'm on this big mindset of eliminate, um, eliminating limiting beliefs mm-hmm. is stop defeating myself to, to think or letting those limiting beliefs drive me that it almost limits me, <laughs> uh, to be able to achieve the things I want to achieve. And some of it is just coming back down to basics, which, which I've, um, grown up in my career to, to enable. And sometimes it's just hitting the restart. Like, let's just, let's just do that over again this time, you know, and that's okay. So, yeah, good. Roxanne, how about you? Um, I really enjoy this mastermind setting and especially, um, uh, we, you can see the difference. Um, obviously you do this for a profession as far as the feedback. Um, and then there's still the feedback of, people who are doing it, continue to doing it day to day. Um, so I really, I really appreciate the setting. Um, but, uh, what I just, because you mentioned the, uh, limiting beliefs again, um, you're 100% correct. We limit ourselves just because it's something we wouldn't do, or we wouldn't, I mean, that doesn't mean there isn't a consumer out there. I was watching, um, an episode of Undercover Billionaire where the lady, she opened up selling a boutique where she sold candles for thousands of dollars. And she literally said, there's people out there who will pay thousands of dollars for candles. You may not be one of them, but there is a consumer out there that will. Mm -hmm. And just focusing on that, but you're right about the limiting beliefs. But so thank you so much, Jen. This this was a great panel and having a taste even of um, your feedback and your coaching so this, this was great. Thank you. Thank you. Scott, how about you? Yeah, thank you, Jen, for the invitation. First of all, um, it is, um, I've never really done anything like this before, so it's, 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 it's good. I appreciate the feedback from everyone, um, you know, even when you've been doing it for 25 years. Um, you can see things new, and, you know, I do think 
technology and stuff is changing. And it's, I was really happy to hear younger voices um, give me kind of their attitude towards um, the, the technology and everything. <clears throat> um, I, I love to give advice. So I'll just take two seconds. Yeah. Um, you know, after this year uh, and all the business and all the refi business and what, what a great opportunity for people to, to get on their feet financially and everything. But my best advice is um, there are a lot of realtors out there right now whose loan officers didn't treat them as well as they should have last year because they were really swamped with refis and what a fantastic opportunity for a newer loan officer to get in front of an agent and you know be different and they'll make them feel important because they're going to be important to you and they're going to feel that they're important to you what a fantastic opportunity you know my own purchase business grew exponentially last year because people realized that i was always prioritizing their purchase business that i wasn't going to let the refis get in my way. And when I look at my peers' volume, my purchase volume is higher. Uh, their overall volume might, is higher than mine, um, but it's in refis. And, you know, I picked up a bunch of new agents and, you you know, the newer a, a newer LO can do that. This is the time. This is the time to do it. Yeah, I think that's that's extremely powerful because I think everyone was thrust into uh, momentum, right? And you got the ex- you got to see what it's like to be a top producer. The question is, are you going to sustain it right. when the rates go up and when the purchases stop? And that's really what my emphasis is for everyone. And you know, my hashtag this year is get it done in twenty one. You know, you have to you have to really put the foundational tools. You know, the time management, the bo- the blocking, the the strategies, the systems into play so that when it falls down, you're, you don't lose that momentum. And I will tell you that I have been coaching um, real estate agents longer than I've been coaching loan officers and they are terribly concerned about the momentum. So introduce this opportunity to bring in a mastermind of people that you work with vendors that you work with and insurance agents and other partners and have a mastermind to help everyone continue to keep that momentum going. So that's, that's really why I wanted to do this is I wanted to show an example of it uh, so that you could take it to your markets and create masterminds in your markets so that you become the deliverer of those types of situations. Because as you maybe not now because I'm talking, but I just played a role as a facilitator. And, and that's what's so powerful about it. And if you want to be a market influencer and a market leader, this is one of the best ways for you to start doing that. And I would suggest doing it now. So, so thank you all so much for opening yourselves up and for your contribution and your collaboration. Um, and I hope that this uh, podcast also, for those that are listening, that it has opened up your eyes and your mind. And if you want to go to YouTube and look at this and watch this instead of just listening to it, you can see how we um, played around with some some uh, emoji sticks and things like that to get things moving along, <laughs> um, which is really key and critical. But Um, I am just so grateful and so appreciative of each one of you spending um, this time with us today. And so we'll catch you on the next episode of Mortgage Lending Mastery. Thank you so much, everybody. Thanks for listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Be sure to subscribe to hear more sales tips, ideas, strategies, and tactics 
to help you with your personal and professional growth to multiply your results in record time. And if you like what we're doing, don't forget to give us a rating and review so we can continue to bring you the best content possible. Wanting more beyond the podcast? Join our Mortgage Lending Mastery Membership Community, where you will find extended interviews with our favorite guests, weekly training, tips, and insider secrets, fireside chats with Jen, free content, meet, share, and collaborate with other members, and so much more. Click the link in the show notes to learn more about this exclusive content. Mortgage Lending Mastery is an industry syndicate charter podcast. Industry Syndicate is the first podcast network specifically for the mortgage and real estate industries. Get the Industry Syndicate app in the App Store or Google Play today. The more hands you shake, the more money you make. Get your mini website and smart business card. One unique C card with unlimited possibilities that brings you new contracts, new clients, and the money you deserve. In this lifetime deal, be one of the first to get all the current and future functions for the one-time investment of only $299. No tech skills required. We take care of every step for you. Great concierge service and lifetime support. Don't risk losing your only chance. Take action today. It's time to ditch the paper business card. Don't wait. Go to getccard.com.